don't look at what you have that's a very wrong way to look at it actually look at what you can contribute welcome to tech inspired my name is priska and i am your host today with this podcast we want to inspire and empower more women to start a career in tech we interview you on a regular basis exciting guests from the tech industry who share their stories, insights and career advice. Let's get started to build your best career in tech. Okay, great. Today I'm welcoming Reshma with us here at the podcast. We actually follow each other on LinkedIn for quite a while and I was really impressed by your CV on LinkedIn as well and the work you do around the topic of diversity and inclusion and equity in the tech industry. And that's why I thought it would be a great opportunity to learn more about you and welcome you here to the podcast. So thanks a lot for joining us here. And maybe you can give a little bit of an insight about yourself at first now. Thanks so much for having me, Priska. And as you rightly said, I follow you as well and all the inspiring things that you do within Switzerland and also in the frame of uh, women in tech. Just to give a very, very uh, quick introduction about myself. I'm originally from India. and i have lived about 22 years now half of my life in fact outside of my home country i'm an engineer by education with both a bachelor's and master's degree in technology as lot of engineers do you know i went and got myself an mba because you know tech by itself wasn't sure at least back then you know how much of value it has you always need to have the managerial kind of skill set as well i have been in the tech industry now for 22 years and when i say tech you know different industries but very much in the tech space so power and energy mainly oil and gas consulting and now i'm with a very different industry which is around the staffing and talent advisory i have a very international background i've lived in 13 countries across uh, three continents i'm a mom so i think uh, one of the questions that still women get asked is how do you balance very proud to say that you know my my 14 year old is also very much into uh, tech so a lot of things that we kind of on a day to day basis also discuss and progress forward is or as well at home so just not my professional life mm-hmm. that's great i would like to start actually always with the beginning of your life what was, was there anything in your life as a kid as a child um that triggered you to go into the tech industry or how was your upbringing it's always an interesting question and you know i have to say you know when you listen to all these amazing women who talk about you know how they had a very clear idea about getting into tech doing you know engineering stuff i don't have any of those fascinating stories to tell unfortunately or fortunately whichever way you look at it so i grew up in india in the rural part and you know for those of uh, who are familiar with uh, the rural part of india and it's a very uh, also a society which is very patriarchal i have to say thankfully i grew up in both a society as well as a family where the education of girls was valued so my parents my family encouraged us to get an education and a good education however you know we didn't i didn't have any role models to look up to you know who were engineers or who were in the let's say the tech space so to say i was pretty good at mathematics so i've always scored 100% in math and it was kind of you know given that you know you would pursue a stem education so more i would say either technology engineering or mathematics so not so much around science not biology or chemistry but it was kind of societal norm let's say if you're good in math you actually pursue one of those 
And I would say that kind of sat with me that uh, I was very proud of the fact that I'm good at math. And second, again, uh, you know, I'm talking about two decades back, right? If you wanted to be financially independent, you could not actually pursue a degree in literature and think that you would be financially independent. So what a career that would have given me financial independence was definitely around tech. So again, as I said, it's nothing fascinating that, you know, I knew what exactly I wanted to do. For me, it was a love for math and being good at it. I think it's mutual. You, you love it because you're good at it. You're good at it because you love it. It's a chicken and egg kind of story. And second was, you know, what's the fastest way to be financially independent? Mm-hmm. That was my foray into, let's say, engineering as an undergraduate uh, subject. And from then on, I have to say, there's been no looking back. Mm-hmm. You mentioned before that you also did then a master's degree, but I assume between the MBA and your bachelor's degrees, you were working in the tech industry as well? Or what was then your first job? My first job with a large uh, engineering conglomerate. Uh, in India. And, uh, you know, again, I was one of the first women to join in a mainstream engineering. The thought process of getting an MBA was more because I think the stereotypical bias against women, one in terms of just you being an engineer and, you know, you, you are good at engineering. So the technical part of the job itself. And second, also, you know, I always say this, it's not so much about women in tech. It's actually about women in leadership. When it comes to leadership, women in decision-making, I think there is still, and 20 years later, I have to still say, we do have that bias of saying, you know, can women really be decision-makers? Can women really be leaders? And MBA was a way for me to break the bias. So you are not looked at only as an engineer who is good at doing designs and who's good at doing, you know, the technical stuff, but sit in a corner, don't take credit, keep your head down, just do stuff. And there's somebody else who is actually going and selling it, so to say, the phase of it. I didn't want to be one of those. And I said, you know, an MBA would actually open up my mind in terms of the commercial aspects, in terms of data, in terms of insights, in terms of just understanding finance and all of that, which is completely, let's say, non-engineering, non-tech. Mm-hmm. So I did my uh, MBA after, let me think now, I think it was after four years of work experience. And I have to say that was one of the also the best decisions I took. Because what also we don't realize when we get into tech is, you know, tech is not just about doing the technical stuff. It's actually about what I call as tech for good. Uh, you know, it's probably something like fundamental research versus uh, applied research. So it's actually about applying technology for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I fully agree with you on that point. And I think it's, um, it's uh, you did the way of being in the tech space first and then doing the, the management part or leadership part. But there are also a lot of women who actually start vice versa. So they, because they get the message or they've been told they're not good at tech or not good at math, they start first with a different degree, which is more on the management side. And then they think about going into the tech industry. What would you recommend if someone would do it the other way around? Is this a way to go as well? And what should these people do? Should they also go back to university and do a master's in computer science? Or what would you recommend? I'm going to take a step back and also first answer what is, what is tech? And I think this is really a myth that we have that, you know, if you don't have a computer science degree, for instance, you are not in tech. No, I don't think that's a right definition. When we actually look at tech today, there is a broad range of tech. 
technology itself. I would say, you know, think about the mobile phones that we have. If you know how to use your mobile phone and all the apps that is there, if you really know how to use it, I would say you're tech literate. I would say that you understand tech and you are, you are even operating in a tech space. So the definition of technology has significantly changed in the past two to three decades. So that's something that I would qualify before I answer the question directly. I personally don't think there is a right or wrong approach to it. That you start with, uh, let's say, an engineering degree and then you move into a managerial space or you start with something completely that is non-tech and then you move into the tech space. I think what is really important to understand is we are living in a tech-enabled world and there is no denying that. And as we look at all the industries, take the shoes that you wear. You know, you would think you are buying a shoe. Are you really buying a shoe? If you look at Adidas, Nike, on shoes, you are, are you really buying a shoe or are you buying something more than a shoe? So my take on the whole evolution of world, I would say, any industry, is you're not going to be in a business that is actually going to say you're selling shoes or you're selling cakes. Take bakeries, for instance, you're selling cake. You are actually in a world where you are in a digital tech space, however, specializing in something. So from that perspective, if you really see, there is no right or wrong in that sense. And there is doesn't matter what your start point has been. You could have completely started with, you know, having a, a degree in English literature. And you could actually see, you know, how stories sell. What are the stories that sell? What are the words that sell? Search engine optimization, this is very much tech, but you need to have an understanding of the language, understanding of the words. So my advice to anyone who wants to get into the tech space is don't look at what you have. That's a very wrong way to look at it. Actually look at what you can contribute. Actually look at your skills, your expertise at the moment and think about how technology can enable that again, as I said, for the greater good. Mm -hmm. I think this is very important. Um, I have the same experience when I talk to women in, interested in going into the tech space. They always ask, so how do I find my area where I could fit in. And it's like, it's check your daily life, what, what's fascinating for you. And you will sure find something that has to do with tech in this area, like from art to, as you mentioned, buying shoes. So it's everywhere is tech. And I think that's really fascinating. So getting back to your career, I, you said something before, which I think was very interesting. You were the first woman in a man-led stream. How did you deal with this situation? How did you handle it? What was it the impact for you at that point in time? You were very young as well. You just fresh graduated. How did you deal with the situation? So I think, you know, the good thing about youth is ignorance. So when you're 22 and you have topped your class and you join a completely male-dominated organization, you don't see that. You just don't see that. You actually think, you know, you're the top talent. You are really someone who is excelled or good at what she does. That's what you see. And I think that, that's why I said ignorance is good sometimes. I just didn't see I had joined a male-dominated uh, industry. I just didn't see there were only men around me. I just saw what I was actually good at doing. I think it hits you hard later point in time. And I can tell you, I'm middle-aged now. It hits me hard now how much you know average, mediocre men can advance themselves compared to women who are really, really good. So back then, I have to say, I didn't. I just didn't see. The reality struck me hard the first time, I think it was two years after I had joined. 
And, uh, you know, as I said, we were a large engineering conglomerate and a lot of our work happened at construction sites. So I had worked in power generation. So you have these large turbines, which you install in a power plant, which is typically remote. I was working in uh, Doha in uh, Qatar, and this was a large desert, like completely 90 kilometers out of Doha as a city. And you had, my job was to install these uh, large turbines. And when I landed there, I realized that there were no women's toilets. This is the first time it hit me that, oh, I'm different because there were no women's toilet because, you know, you don't expect women to be one. You don't expect women to be in a sector like that in an industry like that. Second, you don't actually expect a 23, 24 year old to land there. So all the toilets were for men. And I had to travel nine kilometers to a gas station just to use the ladies room. So this is when I would say two years after I joined was the first time it really hit me hard. And I said, this really makes me feel I'm different. And this also shows how the industry, which is typically male dominated, is not even prepared to accept a woman into that street. How can we change this today? I mean, we talk a lot about, we also want to hear career advice from our guests. And I think this is a, maybe not specifically with toilets, but nowadays we have a similar situation where you get into a room, where you get into a job and, and people don't realize, oh, there are people thinking different than or being different than the average white male person. What would you recommend if someone gets across such a situation? How can we help improving this situation? So, you know, my own experience, and as I said, uh, I've been living outside of my home country for 22 years, mostly in uh, Western Europe. You know, it's not only the fact that I'm a woman. I'm also one of the, probably even one of the, I don't even want to say one of the few, one of the women of color. So you're right. You walk into a room and you have double bias. You are a woman of color. You are a woman and you are a woman of color. And my advice to anyone, you know, independent of what your differences. Sometimes we are the minority in the room. And the first step I would say is to accept that. So as I said, when I was 22 year old and joined my first job, I didn't, I didn't even see that. I didn't even see that, you know, I was surrounded by middle-aged men. I just didn't see that. So uh, I'm not saying it in a negative way. I think it's first thing is to accept that so that you are not in for a shock. You know, I, to these days when I go for a meeting, especially when I'm, no one knows me, I'm actually prepared that, you know, somebody is going to ask me to fetch coffee. Most of us, most of us as women, when we have been in those senior positions, sharing a meeting, we have gone through this. So I'm actually prepared. I'm also prepared with an answer. So it's more about how firm your answer is. It's not a question of accepting that, yes, I will be asked to fetch coffee and I fetch coffee. No, I've never fetched coffee. It's actually about knowing what to respond. That's the first thing I would say. And the second thing, this is also what I feel is sadly how society works on our minds. So most of us accept. And I have to say, you know, in my 22 years, there has been several moments when I have, I, I have asked myself, is it easier for me to accept? Because it's a constant fight. If you're actually looking for a change, there is no fairy godmother. There is no Cinderella godmother who comes with a wand and, you know, things change. No, we are the change agents. We are the change makers. And how many of us accept that? Because, you know, change is never easy, right? We are, we are, we are always questioning the status quo. And I know, I know male colleagues of mine who dislike me for the fact that I always say, okay, where are the women? And this is like a common theme. And sometimes I get stereotyped saying, oh, you know, if Deshma is in a meeting, she's definitely going to bring up the women issue. 
And that sometimes sounds very negative. And there are times when I've asked myself, is it even worth the fight? And I would say for anyone who's going through that at the moment, first, remember that you're not alone. So find a group. And I would, for women in Switzerland, I strongly recommend Priska's group, Uh, you know, be part of it. You will hear a lot of us having gone through that. And there is a power in that conversation, knowing that you're not alone. Second, don't give up. You know, think about it. Today, we are all here sitting and talking about women in tech because of the women before us. They did their part. That's why we, Mm -hmm. and third, you know, the days, there are days and accept that there are days when you feel hard, when you, I have cried and I have, you know, wanted to leave, let's say, not only the tech, tech space, but also the corporate world because it's hard. I always remind myself that it's hard because it leads to something that is beautiful. That's something that's leading to wonderful. So accepting those days that is hard and not painting a rosy picture. You know, when we see women having reached, you know, women CEOs, for example, we think, oh my God, they made it. They had a rosy life. No, I don't think that's that's true. It's accepting that it's hard, but enjoying that hard part of it because there is a sweet fruit that's going to come at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very good advice. I think it's it's important to have this group of people around you, seeing that you're not alone in this struggle, just knowing already that you have someone else experience the same, gives this kind of energy to yourself and, and knowing, okay, we're fighting together in this for, for having a better world for our daughters. I mean, you're a mother as well. I'm not sure if you have a daughter or son, but even if it's also son, it's for our kids and uh, making the, the world better for them. That's great. And you are in a leadership position now. You've been through many different leadership positions, and I'm sure you experienced as well the, the so-called glass ceiling. What is it that you could recommend anyone who is now in a position saying, okay, I want to do a step forward. I want to go up uh, in a, into a leadership position. Also with the thought of being able to change more from a leadership position. What would you recommend someone if they would like to go in this direction? See, and as I said at the beginning, I think there is a generally a bias towards women taking leadership role because, you know, decision making historically has been the forte of men. So I think the society, even as as women, think about it. And today morning, I, I actually did a LinkedIn post where I caught my own unconscious bias last week where a woman CEO was appointed and I just didn't see it. My brain didn't capture it. So even us as women, sometimes it's hard for us to break the bias in our minds of women in decision-making roles. That said, you know, today, fortunately, we have a lot of role models. We have a lot of women who are in leadership positions, tech, non-tech, and I don't make that distinction, but women who are in decision-making roles across industries. And for every woman who's aspiring to get into a leadership role, I would say, you know, and I'm not discounting, trust me, I'm not discounting the external barriers. There are external barriers, external stereotypes, biases, all of that, yes. I truly believe that 50%, at least, if not more, at least 50% of the self-rejection comes from us on our own. So we think, you know, especially when society hands it down to us and questions us, are you really, do you really deserve the seat at the table of this decision-making? More often than not, I've seen women accepting that and limiting themselves. So I would, my sincere advice to all the women there out there is, one, be ambitious. There is nothing to be shy about ambitious. Ambition. We should be ambitious. That's one. And, you know, I can also tell you that the more you are ambitious, think about it. How many, how many of your peer group, how many of the women in your circle, you like it when they're ambitious? 
So that's a stereotypical bias. That is a societal bias we have. We don't like ambitious women, period. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So change that narrative in your head as well, because we should like ambitious women and we should be ambitious. That's the first thing I would say. Second, you know, don't give up. There is may, there may be first time, second time, and you know, I get a lot of uh, LinkedIn messages as well where they say I've tried four times, and I always ask why not the fifth time. So mm-hmm. go for it. You know, you are ambitious. You know that you can do it. Don't reject yourself. Fourth time, fifth time, maybe it's the tenth time. Doesn't matter. And yesterday I saw again a LinkedIn post where there was an article about a young woman. She was rejected three hundred times. And then she got internship with Tesla, with Facebook, with Google, you name it, right? 300 times. You know, how many of us would have had the persistence to go 300 times? So my, uh, again, sincere advice is, you know, be ambitious, do not be shy, do not feel guilty. It's great to be ambitious. That's, Mm -hmm. That's the point. And then if you're ambitious and you truly believe in your ambitions, don't self reject, don't self limit, no matter how many times you're rejected, just go for it. Great, absolutely. I love it. It's really, it's a lot about our um, view on the world as well. And I think that's that's very great advice to give. This is about women in tech. So I would like to go to the back to the tech topic. You've been in different tech industry. You're now um, in the recruiting industry or talent management industry. What is your take in regards to technology? Where is technology heading and where do you think could be a great space for for anyone to get into because it's gonna be an interesting, exciting, growing market? So see, again, I'm gonna split this technology into two parts. One is the hardcore technology itself, the laptops that we use, the, the phones that we use. These are all the, what I call as a hardcore technology. And it has evolved like dramatically, right? Think about uh, the times even 10 years back. Uh, today, we operate our entire lives from phones, our mobile phones. So that's the hard part of technology, the hardware itself. And then there is how do you use technology to enable in it? And I would say, you know, for people who are scared of the hard part of technology, when, when you think about, you know, developing chips, writing uh, programs or codes, if that scares you, think about how technology can enable things. And I give an example from my own current job at the moment. We are in the talent management, talent advisory space. And probably a a more rudimentary term is staffing and recruitment. And if we were able to capture all the data that all of us, individuals like us, what is your career aspirations? What have you done in the past 10 years, 20 years, five years, doesn't matter. And if you are able to create these career journeys for you digitally and help you manage that, that's the enabling part of tech. So for people who have, again, no interest or fear, the hard part of tech, I would say go for the soft part of tech. And technologies, as I said before, technology is here to stay. There is no part of our lives that is not going to be disrupted, touched for sure. We are all uh, now highly and heavily dependent on tech. But I would also say we are heading, heading in the dire- direction of every part of our lives is going to be disrupted by technology. So even if you are not interested, again, scared of the hard part of technology, go for the soft part. Think about how technology can enable anything. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a very good area as well. I mean, when we say, when you talk about hard and soft part, I don't think soft part means programming per se, if you think about software engineers. But really the connection between how can we bring the technology into society for good, as you mentioned earlier as well. 
Thank you very much for sharing all this information, all these insights with us. That was very inspiring. And I think we could talk forever for more advice and insights. But we're getting to the end of this podcast. And I would love to ask you some speed questions before we close the podcast. And I just want you to um, answer with what's on top of your mind. So the first one is, who is your favorite female role model? Indra Rui. Yeah, and some more insights. Why? The uh, former uh, CEO of uh, PepsiCo. Uh, and why Why is she my role model? One, you know, we share the same background. So she grew, originally grew up in India. And again, women in leadership. She's one of the first uh, women of color uh, heading Fortune 500. And for me, it's a truly inspirational, you know, how she has literally risen up the ranks. Yeah. And made it to a, a, one of the one of the biggest Fortune 500 companies of the world as CEO. Yeah, I was reading. She has a book about her life, and I was reading it on Blinkist. Just a, a short summary of it. Very interesting. I should share this link as well. And um, the next one is: What is your most important skill? My most important skill is people management. Because I'm also someone who truly believes that you know whether it's a, a tech or non-tech, you can only get the full potential by inspiring people, by getting people to contribute to your vision. If I can do that, because single, you know, you don't go that far alone. You actually go very far with a group of people. So mm -hmm. I would say my biggest skill is actually bringing people together, uh, making them collaborate and working towards a common goal or a common vision. Mm -hmm. Very good. And the last one is, what was the best advice you were ever given? The best advice that I was ever given, and this is also the advice that I actually paid forward, so to say, is not to self-limit yourself. Because um, I believe that all of us, all of us, independent of our backgrounds, all of us have those self-limiting beliefs. That's what keeps us small. If you want to grow, get over your self-limiting beliefs. Get out of your comfort zone. Your target should be the growth zone. So move into your discomfort zone. Absolutely. And I think that's a great ending to this podcast. Thanks a lot for being our guest today and sharing all your insights and story. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks again, Priska, for having me. Did you enjoy this episode? Don't forget to comment or rate us on your podcast app. Never want to miss an episode again? Sign up now for our newsletter on techface.ch or follow us on Spotify or wherever you are listening to podcasts. Stay tuned and build your best career in tech.